stars are the sun Grace in our lives Father, how you brought us through Deep were the wounds Dark was the night Promise of your love you something special that we like to do at the beginning of every school year. It's called Blessing of the Backpacks. 
So I want to, at this time, ask our, our kids, that our students that are starting back to school, you brought your backpacks, come on up, come on up here with Pastor Sam and with Miss Catherine. If you are a school teacher, I want to ask you to come on up too. That's right. Yeah, it doesn't matter what grade you're in. Yeah. All right. Yeah, y'all stand up here with your backpacks. And y'all, teachers, stand over here. All right. Anybody else? Anybody else that feels like they need a prayer at the start of school? Our ELC director is coming up here because school, school starts back at ELC too. And, and a, an, another little kindergartner named Allie is coming up here today. Thank you for coming. And, and listen, I know that, that college classes are starting back up. We have a lot of, of people to pray for because it's always important. It's always just a little bit nervous and it's always also a little bit exciting, uh, but we need to pray. So we are praying for the backpacks, but we're praying for the kids that are carrying the backpacks and the classes to which they're going. So will you join me as we pray? Lord, this is the blessing of the backpacks. So we do, we think about those backpacks, Lord, and we pray uh, for the books that go in them, for the lunches that they take. We pray for uh, just minds that are curious and, and ready to learn and for hearts that are open and, and ready for new friendships. But we pray, Lord, especially for those who are carrying the backpacks because they are the ones that are our real precious cargo. So we, I pray your blessings on every single student. Uh, no matter what grade, no matter how young or old, I pray, Lord, that you would watch over them, send your angels to protect them, be with the teachers. Lord, they've got such a tough, tough job, but it is also exciting because they get to see uh, that, that student grow and learn, and they get to know they're making a real, real difference in the lives of people. And God, we pray for all of those that are associated with back to school. And we pray that we will keep that in mind, even if we don't have school-age kids. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Have a good school year. Yes. And our children are going to be going to Children's Church um, with Miss Catherine. As you go, you got your backpacks ready to go. All right. This is also the time that we pray for our offering. We have, we have our plates back in the back and up here by the chestnut door. There is an outline, y'all. If you didn't, if you're not used to seeing those, if you, if you want an outline that goes with my sermon and just look, you can grab one of those. Uh, and maybe that'll be helpful for you. So maybe you're going back to school today too and didn't even know it, you know? You can give online, you can give by text to give. Help support our ministries. We do such great ministries here in this community, and, and we need your support. So will you pray with me? Lord, as people give their time and talents, as they give their tithes and offerings, we pray that you would bless the gift and bless the giver. In Jesus' name.
Will you pray with me as we get started this morning? Lord, create in us clean hearts, renew right spirits in all of us. As we look into your word today, may your word look inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29, and then going through the first two verses of chapter 12 will be our scripture today. And you're invited to follow along as the words go up on the screen or how, how, whatever your favorite way of following along with the scripture is today. Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more could I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept relief in, release in order to gain, in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins and sheep and, uh, of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On the 3rd of September, 1987, Captain Henry Dempsey was uh, flying an Eastern Express commuter plane. He was flying from Lewiston, Maine, headed for Boston, Massachusetts. It's one of those smaller planes. And, and when they were about 4,000 feet, Captain Dempsey heard uh, a noise coming from the, the back of the plane. And he put his co-pilot in command and got up to go back and see where the noise was coming from. And he had just made it to the rear of the plane when the plane, and if you've ever been on a plane that's done this, it, it makes your, your stomach come up in your throat, hit an air pocket and fail like that. And when it fell, Captain Dempsey determined the cause of the noise. 
the rear door of the airplane had not been secured well enough and when they hit the turbulent and jerked the air uh, the rear door of the airplane came open the stairs deployed and Captain Dempsey was sucked out of the back of the plane oh my gosh it sounds like a James Bond movie or something doesn't it and he had the presence of mind as he was going out to grab on to something and he grabbed on to the rails of the stairs that had been deployed grabbed on with his hands and wrapped his feet around the rails and there he was so while all of this was happening the in the cockpit the co-pilot saw this red emergency light flashing that told him that the rear door of the plane was open and so he immediately called in and asked for an emergency landing and asked for rescue helicopters because he thought that Captain Dempsey had just been sucked out of the plane and, and who else they didn't know and so when they made their emergency landing turns out they didn't need the rescue helicopters after all uh, because Henry was still holding on <laughs> he held on to the rails upside down with his hands and his feet and when the plane landed his head was actually just 12 inches from the tarmac as the plane came to a stop and when the plane finally did come to a stop and the rescue workers came up to Captain Dempsey um, the story is told that they had to convince him it's okay it's alright you can let go now it said it was said that it took them 15 minutes to pry his fingers off of the rails of the stairs I think about that story and it's always stuck with me and it reminds me of just one definition of faith and that is this faith is holding on to God even in the face of the impossible I don't know about you but when it comes to my faith I want to hold on to God as tightly as Captain Henry Dempsey held on to those stair rails, just holding on for dear life. Chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews is, is called the faith chapter, by the way, because it gives a list of all of, not all of, but many of the great characters in the Bible that held on to their faith. Every one of them held on tightly. Every one of them faced impossible odds. And many of these people of faith held on tightly, and at the end of it, they saw great victory. I mean, my goodness, you're talking about Moses? Moses and leading the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage, and then getting to the Red Sea? And talk about impossible. And, but they walked by faith through the Red Sea on dry land, and the Egyptian soldiers chasing them were drowned in the sea. And then... And then by faith, Joshua marching around the, the walls of Jericho seven times, seven days in a row with the people marching around the walls. And I never see that in my mind, that I don't see the French knights from Monty Python and the Holy Grail standing at the top of the wall, taunting them as they march. If you know, you know, okay, Monty Python. Uh, but but you just imagine all the things they were yelling at the children of Israel as they just what are you doing just marching around our walls? You think that's gonna do anything? Maybe they were throwing spitballs at them. I don't know 
But for seven days they did that. They held on to their faith because that's what God said to do. And then the walls came tumbling down. Right? Holding on to your faith. Victory. They mentioned Rahab in chapter 11. Rahab, the prostitute that took in the spies and believed in Israel's God, even though she didn't really know who Israel's God was. She believed and she held on tightly and she was rescued and she became actually part of our Messiah's family tree. There was Gideon who took 300 men, just 300 men, and defeated the Ammonites. There was Barak, which we might not be as familiar with, but he assembled a, an army of essentially unarmed soldiers and defeated the Canaanites who had 900 iron chariots. Think about Samson, who used his great strength to single-handedly defeat the Philistines. I know Samson had his problems, but there was a time that he held on to his faith and he had great victory. There was Jephthah who was living in exile as an outlaw but was called back to help win a victory. And then there was David, one of my favorite Bible characters of all time. David who faced Goliath with a slingshot. David who won battle after battle. Impossible odds holding on by faith. You could go on and on with these examples. You could have Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, Elijah and Elisha uh, escaping death time after time and raising people from that. It just really makes you want to just go, woo, touchdown, right? Touchdown, Auburn. Anybody? No, Alabama? All right, but victory, right? victory but then did you notice the turn that things take in verse 35 it's like they turned a corner because the truth be told not all of the faithful in the faith chapter got to see the victory in fact some of them were tortured some of them were martyred some of them even though they held on to their faith were not rescued at all. Maybe when they were being tortured, they were told, you know, just renounce God, just renounce your faith and worship our gods and we'll let you go. But they held on. They held on. Some were mocked and some were beaten. Some were thrown in prison. Prophets like Zechariah and Jeremiah were stoned to death by their own people. Stoned to death. The prophet Isaiah was sawn in half like the old magician's trick except for real. Did you know that? Isaiah? And then chapter 11 goes on to say some were destitute, some were persecuted, tormented. They wandered around wearing goatskins, living in caves. Doesn't exactly make you want to sing the touchdown song, does it? Not really. And yet, and yet, they held on. They held on, even though they didn't receive what God had promised in this life, they held on, and they are a part of the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12.1, you see? 
they are part of the great cloud of witnesses. I love uh, the, the sporting metaphors that the Bible uses, and that's exactly what this is. Picture a stadium, and, and our, our series for last week and this week and next week is Ready, Set, Go, and I want you to think about running a race. Last week, we talked about how are you, are you ready? Are you dressed and have your lamps lit? Are you ready? And today, we're talking about are you set? How are we set for faith? You picture a runner in the starting block, and, and they're set, and they're waiting for that gun to go off. They don't know when it's going to happen, but they're going to be ready, and they're going to be set. How are we set for faith? Well, we have an example that is set before us. In chapter 11 of, of, of Hebrews, we see example after example of people who held on tightly to their faith. And, and some of them saw victory. Some of them still held on even though they didn't see victory on this side. And faith, as we said, is holding on to God even in the face of impossible odds. Now that's kind of a definition. But the question, to just make this personal for you, is are you going to hold on? Even when it gets hard? Even when you get discouraged? Even when things look like they're not going to work out? Will you still hold on? The example is set before us. The very best example of all is set by the perfecter and the pioneer of our faith, Jesus Christ, who ran the race with faithfulness, even though his course, and he knew his course, even though his course took him through Calvary to the cross, he kept his eye on the prize for the joy that was set before him. So, every runner in the starting block um, has their eye on the finish line. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the example set before us. We also have the race that is set before us. The course is laid out. We don't just run around randomly. We have the course that is set before us. Several years ago, I'm... I took a group of, of sixth graders from a confirmation class to Camp Lee and, and, and down just outside of Anniston. I love Camp Lee. It's one of our, it's a treasure, our Methodist treasure. And Pastor Andy has uh, plans to take, have a really fun day with the youth at, at Camp Lee. So we were at Camp Lee. You know how you get to Camp Lee? Turn on Chakalaka Road. I just said that because I like saying Chakalaka. Um, but we were at Camp Lee and we were having a great confirmation class and then we were going to go out and do something on the ropes course. So I said, hey gang, we're going to go and do something on the ropes course. This was a group of sixth graders that were every single one of them were like natural born leaders and super confident in everything. And so I had, it was me and my, my youth counselors and my parents and stuff. We were there. And I said, all right, gang, we're going to go to the ropes course. Well, the sixth graders headed out the door and started down, and started down the, the gravel road. But they had no idea where they were going. But they were going, you know. And I looked at my parents and my counselors and I said, I wonder how long it's going to take them to realize that they don't know where the ropes course is. They just kept on walking, you know. And, and sometimes I think that's, that, that's kind of how we try to, to live our lives. But, you know, we don't have to do that. 
we do have some, a, a race that is set before us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is the picture of, of, of the course. The Christian life is, is like a race. It's not a sprint. It's like a, more like a marathon or an obstacle course. That would be probably better. But there's a starting line. But when you cross the starting line, you're not done. You keep on going. You keep on going. You keep on following the example. You follow the leader. We're, we're sheep. We follow the shepherd. If we're going to run the race that is set before us, Hebrews 12 says we need to do a couple of things. One is we need to lay aside the weight and the sin that clings so easily to us. When I was playing uh, football in high school, we used to use ankle weights sometimes. I don't know if they still do that. Uh, did you ever use ankle weights when you're training? I'm looking at Wayne because he's the like football guy here. But we used to we tie these weights around our ankle and we train with them. Um, and the idea was to make your legs stronger, you know. And then when you take the ankle weights off, you feel like you could fly, you know. Well, I'll just let you in on a little secret. I wasn't the speediest athlete on the field, so I didn't exactly fly down the field. I know that's a shock to some of you, but it's true. And I wasn't the smartest athlete on the field either. But even I had the sense enough to know that when it came game time, you took the ankle weights off. To try to play the game, to try to run the race with the ankle weights on, would have just been dumb. Just dumb. Carrying the extra weight? That's crazy. And yet, every single one of us has been foolish enough to try to run the Christian race carrying around a bunch of weight, carrying around old grudges, thinking about sometimes somebody hurt our feelings a year ago and we're still carrying it around. Bitterness, grudges, guilt, guilt that God is ready to lift off of our shoulders, shame, fear, attitudes. Uh, you know, sometimes we need an attitude adjustment and we know it. But we sort of like our bad attitude. But it's just like carrying around extra weights, trying to run the race with the ankle weights on. Letting go. Letting go of the sin that so easily clings to us, Hebrews 12, 1 says. You know those sins, sometimes it's like, okay, it's bad, and we know it's bad, but we're not ready to let go of it yet. We have, we have this, you know, this bitterness, this hate, this prejudice in our heart. Whatever, and it's like trying to run a race with our shoestrings tied together. It just doesn't work real well. Instead of confessing and repenting and receiving God's forgiveness and letting that weight just go. Look, the race is challenging enough without us sabotaging ourselves. And then finally, the prize is set before us. Remember at the, at the end of chapter 11, I said that those, those heroes of the faith who held on and they didn't, they didn't see the victory in this side, they were holding on because there was something better. There was something better. The prize was out there. The way's hard, isn't it? Back in 1978, about the time I was tearing up the football field, um, there was a book written called uh, The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. 
Any of y'all ever remember The Road Less Traveled? It's a great book. It's been a long time since I've read it. But I always remember the first three words in that book. The first three words are, life is difficult. Life is difficult. And we know that's true, don't we? But Scott Peck wasn't the first one to say that. 2,000 years earlier, Jesus said something like that. He said, I've told you these things so you could have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus knew that there was a prize, that there was a something better that was set before him. That the trials and the tribulations, as real as they were, weren't the last thing. They didn't get the last word. There was a something better. Some 60 years after Jesus died and rose again, the book of Hebrews that we just read from was written. It was written during a time when Christians were being persecuted like crazy by the Roman emperor Domitian. They were suffering terribly. And the message was, keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. In the ancient Olympic Games, we watch the Olympics today and we, we see the gold and the silver and the bronze medals. Well, they didn't have that in the original Olympics. They had a wreath made out of olive branches that they would put on it. That was the crown of the winner. In, first, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, when Paul says, I fought the good fight, I've run the race, I've finished the course, he said, and now there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And for all those, for all those who long for his appearing, there's a crown. And he's talking about that, that wreath. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the finish line. That's what helps you get through those days when you think, man, I'm struggling. God, you're going to have to help me. How long, I don't know how long I can keep this up, God. Hold on tight to your faith and keep your eye on the prize. There's a song by Sarah Groves that I, I like a whole lot. It's called uh, Keep Your Eyes on the Prize. If you have a chance to leave, you can go on, on your favorite music outlet and listen to it. But this is what she says in the chorus. She says, the weight is slow and we've got so far to go keep your eyes on the prize and hold on let's pray God um, we thank you for the example that is set before us we have all of the heroes of faith to see who faced impossible odds and still held on to their faith and they, they set the example before us. Whether they saw the victory in this life or not, they held on. Thank you, Lord, for the race that is set before us. You're the pioneer and the perfecter. You've laid the course out in front of us. We don't have to wonder which way to go as long as we're following you. And we thank you, Lord, for the prize that is set before us. 
we are remembering in our hearts today, Lord, um, the family of Miss Winnie Mae Beasley. Miss Winnie Mae got to see the prize. She got to see the finish line last week. And we pray for the Yarnell family. And, and as they, they think about how Daryl got to, to see the prize. And one day we will too, Lord. By faith, we hold on. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing our closing song. And if you have a, a prayer need, you want to come. If, if there's a weight on you today that you want to lay down on the altar as you come and pray, I invite you to do that. If you want to, to join our church today uh, and become a part of this, this faith community, I invite you to, to do that. As we sing our last song, will you stand and worship? Come drink from the well that never runs dry. Go deep, let love teach you to fly. There is rest here in the arms of Christ And all who seek will surely find You're thirsty, the Spirit and the Bride say come Oh, come, oh, come There's mercy, it doesn't matter what you Just breathe Peace take over your soul Cause whatever you need God is in control There is rest here in the arms of Christ And all who seek will surely find You're thirsty The Spirit of the bride say come Oh, come Oh, come There's mercy It doesn't matter what you've done
freedom There is more than enough for everyone There is healing There is freedom There is more than enough for everyone today I, as as and this is a prayer request as well as an announcement the the Yarnell family needs your your prayers usually Andy's the one up making announcements and things but his dad uh, Daryl passed suddenly this this last week so pray for them uh, the memorial service for Daryl Yarnell will be uh, tomorrow visitation from 4:30 to 5:30 here at the church and service at 5:30. And so you're invited to come and pass that word along. There's a, a meal train being kind of set up for the family. If you're interested in being a part of that, uh, Carmen McKibben is organizing that. Um, you can, some of the Sunday school classes are doing something. You can speak with, with Harriet uh, Murray, and she can, can tell you how you can help in that way. Uh, e even if you're not a good cook, you can still help, right, Harriet? Um, we want to surround that family with our love and our prayers. Uh, the other announcement was, don't forget about Hebrews. Our, our coffee shop is right outdoor. We hope that you'll stick around and have a cup of coffee and visit with each other. And now, oh Lord, laying aside every weight and the sin which clings so easily to us, looking unto you, Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen.